Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Ingrid Bocci, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in who lives in, um, boy, I forgot the name of the town. What is it? It's uh, Cortland Manor, Cortland New York. Manor. I left that off my list here. Cortland Manor, New York, which is just north of New York City. Uh, Ingrid is the author of uh, two books, The Art of Effortless Living and Effortless Pain Release, Relief. And both of those books have been translated into many languages and uh, have been Book of the Month Club selections and have been featured uh, in Oprah Magazine, Oprah's Magazine O. And uh, Ingrid is, an, is a certified Alexander Technique teacher and among many other things, she is a cranial sacral practitioner. Would that be the right word? Or uh, that's that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe uh, that your training has been in the Upledger tradition. Would you say? Yes. Yes, I trained and taught for, uh, with the Upledger Institute. And we may we might want to at some point say a little bit about who Upledger is and what he did that was kind of unique. But I wonder if you could start by. For, some of the people in our audience will, will know about cranial sacral work, but it will, won't know much about Alexander. And some people will know about Alexander and not so much about cranial sacral. So could you give us like a two or three sentence description of each of these two processes? Sure, I'll, I'll do the best I can, Robert. Um, craniosacral therapy is a very gentle hands-on modality that is both uh, energy-based and uh, anatomically, scientifically based, if I can put it that way, um, that's used to uh, treat anything from really just about anything in the body, but it's used a lot with neuromuscular, neurological uh, issues, chronic pain, migraines, um, to to uh, help a person heal from those issues, it's also used periodically as a form of emotional release work. So the critical piece of that is it's very gentle, hands-on uh, modality. The person is fully dressed when they're working on the table. Sometimes it's interactive and sometimes it's not. Uh, Alexander Technique is a uh, teacher-student, involves a teacher-student relationship in which a um, teacher uses both hands and verbal suggestions, both on a table and off the table in movement, to help the client or the student release what are often subliminal tensions uh, in the body, um, head, neck, shoulders, legs, and so on. So the goal, actually, in both techniques is to Reduce, re, reduce and release the body from tensions that may or may not be causing pain, but are certainly inhibiting freedom of mov movement and freedom of expression. Mm -hmm. And before this conversation, you told me that you had already uh, uh, completed your training as an Alexander teacher uh, before you had uh, discovered craniosacral therapy. Is that correct? That's correct. It was about two years after you you yeah. qualified, so I think I think from an Alexander point of view, uh, teachers and practitioners of the uh, people who are taking lessons in the technique or teaching it might want to have some idea of what 
craniosacral therapy offered you that you couldn't get from the Alexander technique, and then we'll discuss the other way around as well. Right, okay. Um, two things, really. One is that I think most people are aware now, it's much more common knowledge than it used to be, that your body can hold, uh, in the form of deep subliminal tensions, can ho- hold emotions that are suppressed, repressed, that we're conflicted about, and so on. And so one of the things that happened to me in Alexander Technique training was that I got a tremendous amount of release in my body, um, relief from physical uh, pain. And at the same time, I started feeling a lot of emotions flooding up. And I actually found that craniosacral therapy was very useful for processing that. The other thing that happened to me that actually triggered my immediate involvement with craniosacral therapy was that my jaw started locking up and the Alexander Technique uh, wasn't, uh, well, I could release tensions throughout my body. I couldn't figure out how to release the jaw, the the, the kind of vice-like sensation that would come into my jaw. And I went to a craniosacral therapist, and she did some specific things that helped uh, release that. So th- there was a specific pattern of tension that you were aware of that you found that Alex- the Alexander technique couldn't really get to or couldn't get to in any sort of reasonable amount of time. Is that Would that be a way to, to phrase that? Yes, and uh, yes, and... Um, and- yeah. Go ahead. Well, and so if if you can, looking back on that experience with your jaw, can you say what it what it was that craniosacral therapy did that uh, lessons in the Alexander technique or working on your own using the Alexander technique couldn't get to? Um, sure, uh, and, and there there are a couple of things here that I distinguish one from the other. When in the, in my very first lesson or in my very first experience with craniosacral therapy, um, I was put on the table, and unlike in the Alexander technique, you can go into a kind of semi-hypnotic state, if I could put it that way. It's very passive in that sense, mm-hmm. and what actually happened was that. I started having what felt like a flashback to something that I couldn't recognize uh, that was emotionally very traumatic for me at the time um, and started crying. And when I finished crying, the pain in my jaw was done. <laughs> mm-hmm. right, okay? right. So that was that is a particular example of what is very familiar in cranial work as uh, emotional release and what happens um, is that when a client is able to go into a kind of um, passive like dreamlike state sometimes images unconscious memories and so on will flow up and they're connected to whatever the restriction is mm-hmm. so so that can be one reason that craniosacral therapy can be particularly useful Another is that you can have um, structural problems that are pretty complicated, you know, bones that are really stuck, that have been stuck there for a long, long time, vertebrae that have been out of place for a long, long time, you know, eyes that aren't functioning together that haven't functioned for a long, long time. So on a structural level, sometimes you need very specific um, 
diagnosis and touch to release those things because sometimes those things are just um it's very hard to access them just uh directly by working with what can, one can feel consciously yes and i i'd like to maybe jump in here and say a little bit about some of my experiences i i too encountered the uh countered cranial sacral work basically right around the time i uh graduated from an Alexander Technique t- a training course. And in fact, uh, Walter Carrington, who, who was not the director of my course, but was the director of sort of the father of my course, um, was uh, was actually quite intrigued with craniosacral work and was encouraging uh, some of some of his students to, to go and experience it. Hmm. I don't know all the details of that. I did go to someone a few times in England, but then I, w- I was heading back to Canada and pretty much dropped it. But later on, uh, I'd always, I was always a bit intrigued by it. And eventually I ended up taking uh, a five-day training in it run by the Uplager Institute in, in Toronto. And I was very, very impressed with the training. I thought they got across quite a few good ideas very effectively. I found that I could, I could successfully do it but I also found that that bored me, and I was much more interested in receiving it. So I, <laughs> I looked around at all the assistant teachers who were all from Toronto, and I looked, I looked and picked the one that seemed to have the best use and started having sessions with her. And uh, over the years, I have found that, it, like you, that it's an incredible compliment to Alexander's work. For me, I would say not as much, obviously, on an emotional level, but more getting at incredibly deep-rooted and very complex patterns that I I suspect, but can't prove, had to do with my birth. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. kind of matches a certain sort of delivery situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, where a shoulder gets caught up on the way out and so on. Anyway, um and what I would say is that what cranial sacral can get to that regular Alexander lessons really can't in any practical way are these, as you say, very complex fascial patterns and uh, interconnectedness of one one tension with another. And Alexander directions tend to be generally a bit linear, I would say. And many of these patterns are, you could maybe imagine that if you used Alexander directions long enough, they could come undone. But my sense is that at least for me, I'd have to reincarnate quite a few times before that (laughs) happened. And I I just didn't see the point when there was a much quicker and more direct way at at getting at it. Yeah, you're you're talking, I think, about what in cranial work is called unwinding. <laughs> yes, know, yes. Where the body, the, the fascial, the complex fascial complexity, the connective tissue and muscular complexity, complexity of the body is so incredible. And one of the things that's wonderful about craniosacral therapy is that unlike a lot of more aggressive therapies, you don't go in and say, well, we'll, you know, pull a shoulder out here and do this there and, you know, pop a vertebrum back into place here. Instead, they say, well, it's a way of contacting the tissues or they say, well, 
we can feel that there's a restriction here and it's almost like it's really talking to the tissues, learning to talk to the tissues. Why don't you show me how you need to unwind? Exactly. And, and yeah. that's, yeah, that's a process. So in cranial work, one of the things that's very, very beneficial about it is that they teach you how to assess very quickly where what I would call a primary problem in the body is and then to address that problem now and and it's incredible now the limitation of that if i can put it that way mm-hmm. is that um where it, like so let's say you um find a basic problem okay and you address it and the person unwinds at a certain level now Sometimes that unwinding, that correction, is permanent. Sometimes there's a memory or a lesson somewhere learned in that, if there's imagery or conscious awareness of something from the past, that can be permanent and can have a, uh, you know, a long-term effect. Sometimes um, it would be great if, uh, how can I put it, sometimes the correction is not permanent and that's where you have um, or, or is not longer standing and that's often where you have you know what in Alexander technique would be described more like as, as patterns of use you know patterns of ho- ways of holding the body of moving the body and so on that um, are ingrained and that it would be really helpful for a person to be able to recognize those and consciously work with them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I think that there, obviously every person is different in this regard, but I think there are certain kinds of patterns uh, that get in the way that uh, um, bringing them to your consciousness and learning how to release them using your your thinking process, which is pretty much what the Alexander technique is about. There's mm-hmm. certain kinds of patterns where where that works really well. Mm-hmm. But there are also certain kinds of patterns where the technique uh may work a bit but is is a bit handicapped by the fact that if the patterns are so complex, it's hard to imagine how you could usefully direct yourself out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's kind of the the problem. And I know in my own case, I have become aware during cranial sessions over the last almost 20 years now of very specific tensions that I never noticed before with many years of teaching before that. Mm-hmm. And no one mm-hmm. ever called them to my attention. And I suspect they were just not, they were, they were, kind of under the radar in a way of what an Alexander teacher could could even maybe even notice or notice at, in a way that would be useful to change. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that does that make sense to you? Um that, that, I think that? that I think that's true and I also think that there's a place of dialogue if I can put it that way here. So so let me put it this way when an Alexander technique teacher works with a client, it's mostly on the level of, let's say, conscious, uh, and you you pop in if you think I'm not describing this adequately, conscious recognition of 
tensions and releasing tensions in various parts of the body. So it, it's pretty much a conscious process, and it looks at the conscious physical awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So what happens? What can happen if a if a craniosacral therapist is good, <laughs> if I can put it this way, is that when they put their hands on a certain place in the body, they often put their hands on that um, because there's a tension, a blocked, a pl- and what's called an energy cyst or a blocked place. Okay. So that would also be blocked for an Alexander Technique teacher. But a good craniosacral therapist will engage you in a dialogue about what does this feel like and then start making like metaphors like if it had an emotional quality, what would it be? Do you ever notice this feeling in particular types of situations? So it's like a process of bringing a person's awareness specifically not only to attention in the body but but to how it might exist as a kind of emotional or historical let's say holding pattern and one of the things that i learned through craniosacral therapy as a as a client but also as a practitioner is that when we can begin to, uh, that, that a craniosacral therapist can, if they can begin to help the client be more conscious of this on a regular basis, then that client can uh, bring in Alexander Technique learning at a deeper level. What I mean by that is a lot of times we don't release tensions because they're actually, we're emotionally committed to them, not logically consciously committed to them, but we're emotionally committed to them. They're part of our, they're part of the way we hold ourselves in life. So they're all bound up sometimes with fear, with anxiety, with anger, with feeling overburdened, with self-criticism and so on. So all I'm trying to say here is that when you can bring a sense of an awareness of the emotional quality of that tension into a client's uh, awareness, then they can probably work with it more consciously through Alexander Technique's style of direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. Now, we've, we've talked mainly so far about how cranial work can complement Alexander, Alexander lessons, but I think we need to discuss the other side of things. How might uh, a cranial sacral therapist benefit from having some Alexander lessons? Okay, that's a, that's a great question, and I'm going to say first that, and, and I'm speaking as a craniosacral therapist who teaches craniosacral therapy to Alexander Technique teachers. Perfect. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. so there's nothing as terrific as an, in terms of hands-on quality as an Alexander Technique practitioner who learns craniosacral therapy because they have just terrific sensitive uh, quality of hands and one of the things that happens to a lot of uh, an an Alexander Technique teacher is taught tremendous self-awareness in putting in themselves and putting their hands on somebody else's body so they're working continually with releasing any tensions from their own body and that makes for exquisitely sensitive hands most craniosacral therapists are not given that training in self-awareness so to develop that level of awareness is hugely, it, it 
increases your capacity to work with people effectively a hundredfold. So yeah. I would I would really encourage Alexander Technique training for any craniosacral um, therapist. Another thing, if if I could, just add this is sure. that the um, your your classical you know when you're trained in Alexander Technique, you're very much aware that every part of the body is related to every other part, and that releasing in one place leads to releasing in another place. So you work with your client to enable that whole body awareness process. Um, in craniosacral therapy, that should be a given, but my perception is that it's not taught well enough. So what I mean by that is, again, a crani craniosacral therapist would benefit from learning more when they're putting their hands on somebody's body, from learning how to actually practice more whole body awareness. And, mm -hmm. the, and the final thing I'm going to say, which is, you know, the the thing that's to me most extraordinary about the Alexander technique is this brilliant basic insight, if I can put it that way, but it's absolutely brilliant, which is that everything is organized around the line of the spine, duh, you know, yeah, yeah. and and everything should lengthen and widen, you know, the spine should lengthen, the, sp the area around the spine, the tissues around the spine should widen, so it's kind of like you have a central axis with the head beautifully balanced on top and everything spreading out from that nice energy field spreading out from that well you can when you if if you practice as a craniosacral therapist having that intention in your hands while you're working with a client it's again it speeds up the process enormously so those are the three main things that I think are tremendously beneficial from learning some Alexander Technique work. And, and in regard to that last point about uh, the expansion, uh, lengthening and expanding out, an another way of putting that is the Alexander Technique really shows you how you can take up the space in the world that you're entitled to and not totally. scrunch yourself up. I think it was Marjorie Barlow who made that point somewhere. She's a very well-known Alexander mm -hmm, teacher, mm -hmm. niece of, of Alexander himself, that most of us go through lives, our lives uh, basically not taking up the space that we we're sort of in we that is built into us to take up we 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 squeeze ourselves in in various ways mm -hmm. i mean the most obvious one would be a slump of some sort but of course over straightening is another kind of a squeezing in just in a different direction mm -hmm. and that's what we tend as humans and uh, and modern society to do a lot and the technique is really about teaching you how to let go of those re those restrictions so that you do take up the space you're you're entitled to so to speak yeah. Yeah, and, you know and the other thing space. i would say another reason why cranial sacral therapists m might want to consider having some alexander lessons it is in a way a more mundane one but but i don't think so unimportant if you're a, a cranial sacral therapist you spend a lot of time standing or sitting and uh, often not moving around too much as you're doing that and the danger could be that you would sort of stiffen up a little bit in yourself to hold a sitting or a standing position 
it would be a bit of an occupational hazard, I would think, for anyone who, really any kind of body worker uh, of any kind, but certainly a cranial therapist. And the Alexander technique, if nothing else, would show you how you could stand and and sit and be more comfortable and be less prone to getting stiff shoulders or stiff necks or back pain or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and agreed 100%. And again, you know, I'm lucky in having had my training in Alexander Technique because I just, when I work with uh, students, I integrate that immediately mm-hmm. into teaching them. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, too many craniosacral therapists and not just craniosacral therapists. I mean, massage therapists, occupational therapists, and so on uh, develop pain because of poor patterns of use. Mm-hmm. And, and the Alexander technique is just brilliant in mm-hmm. terms of making life a lot easier for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think although our our topic today has been craniosacral work and Alexander, I I think it might be useful to put those two on a kind of a spectrum of modalities to give people a little better sense of of how things fit in with each other to me and 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 you please chime in with your you know your additions or or differences on this to me the alexander technique is is kind of the king of consciousness methods i mean it really is all about being becoming aware of what's going on and then using your own mental faculties to change those Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other method that really compares with the Alexander technique in that regard. I would say that the cr- craniosacral work, by contrast, is, at least from what I can see, the king of getting at really subtle, hard, elusive, complex patterns and helping you to identify them and release them in a way that probably the the Alexander technique couldn't do in any reasonable period of time. And at the other end of the spectrum, sort of if if Alexander is in the center in this little diagram and cranial sacral is let's say off to the left, off to the right at at the opposite extreme would be things like Pilates or maybe some kinds of physical therapy or even possibly some fitness activities that are designed to systematically strengthen certain muscles or muscle groups that are so out of balance that all the Alexander directing in the world isn't really going to get you out of them again in any reasonable time frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me... Those are the, I I personally have benefited enormously from from modalities at those two ends of the spectrum, uh, cranial sacral. Let's say on the left, we're just putting it there arbitrarily. And in my case, uh, Pilates, but Pilates taught by an Alexander teacher, mm-hmm. and also um, in my case, uh, some physical therapy, but by taught by a very unusual physical therapist and not your sort of normal uh, PT that you might get in a hospital setting or something, or a very, a very specific set of highly targeted exercises. And in some ways is a little bit like Pilates in the, the thinking behind it. And I found that to be incredibly helpful and helped me to 
change some structural stuff that's just made a huge difference. And I don't honestly think Alexander would ever have gotten to that, mm-hmm. gotten mm-hmm. to that for me. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, there are two other disciplines that I've found very, very useful at mm-hmm. various points. And one is yoga, specifically Iyengar yoga, because they, again, I think systematic practice of very... Iyengar, by the way, as you probably know, is the most, probably the most um, highly disciplined form of Hatha yoga practice, tremendously long certification processes, but also very, very specific poses. And the Iyengar yoga has a capacity, which I haven't encountered any place else, to, if you systematically practice those exercises and get to understand what they're about, to completely repattern the body. And, you know, I'm saying that as somebody, I was born with scoliosis, um, and my my uh, scoliosis improved with the Alexander technique and improved with craniosacral therapy. But once I had those under my belt, the Iyengar yoga made a massive difference, absolutely massive difference, just by systematic practice. And the other thing, uh, the other discipline that I've found um, very useful as an adjunct in terms of self-awareness as an adjunct to um, the Alexander Technique, was Feldenkrais work. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. movement, uh, you know, Feldenkrais movement uh, through awareness or awareness through movement, that work helps you or helped me in a way that perhaps I had not gotten in my Alexander Technique training, which is not saying that it doesn't happen, but made me more aware of specific tensions in very specific parts of my body that I could then work on, specific pelvic tensions that I hadn't accessed through Alexander Technique or specific tensions in you know, my shoulders or in the right side of my neck, that kind of thing. So uh, that, that was useful too. But those, those two adjuncts, they're all, you know, and, and I think... Um, I think of Alexander Technique and craniosacral and things like polarity also uh, share a uh, common perception, which is not only of the body being basically organized around in an expansive way around the central nervous system, but also that the more space, the better. <laughs> you know, yes, uh-huh. the more personal space you have, the better. And Iyengar yoga is like this too. So you stretch out maximally in all directions. You learn how to take up maximal space. And that's a physical process. It's an emotional process. It's an awareness process. It's, it's all of these. Right. So we've, we've covered a lot of um, modalities today. And I have. <laughs> I... I wonder if, what the takeaway message would be for someone listening to this. I, I'll just jump in with mine, which is that if you're working with one of these modalities, you might want to at least explore uh, a couple of the others and see uh, if they can't be of assistance to you. What, what I've found in general is that a little bit of one of the others often has a huge impact on the one that you're more committed to. So, for example, if you're an Alexander teacher or Alexander student and that's your main 
um, way of improving things, a little bit of cranial could go a long way. Or perhaps a little bit of really good Pilates could go a long way. Mm-hmm. And if you're mm-hmm. a Pilates instructor, for sure, a little bit of Alexander could make a gigantic difference in how you work. Or if you're a craniosacral therapist, maybe a little bit of Pilates would help you and vice versa. In other words, all of these complement each other. And most people wouldn't have the time to, to engage uh as much in all of them as they would like, but if there's one that you you kind of is your main avenue of self self improvement, do don't be um, close minded. I would say about trying some of the others and seeing how they fit in. That mm-hmm. would be what I would say to a listener. How would you approach that? I, I I agree with you totally. I mean, just from personal experience, and also I. I recommend all the time for clients of mine to do some yoga exercises or I give them to them or to, you know, if I'm working primarily with cranial to go to another teacher for Alexander or, you know, basically integrating. The other thing that I would say is the same thing that you were saying as a client, I would say to a practitioner. Practitioner, any practitioner can hugely amplify their skills and their understanding of what they're really working with by exploring a little bit. If you're an Alexander Technique teacher, explore craniosacral, explore Pilates, explore yoga. It doesn't mean you have to become, you know, a professional in it, but uh, take some lessons from there because you can then bring that back not only into how you are with your clients, you know, in your own body, but into what you teach them. And, And the same for every other discipline i think it's you know it's unfortunate sometimes that you know sometimes when techniques are taught it's taught from the perspective of my technique is king and you don't want to listen to any others and i think mm-hmm. that it's really the other way around the more we can learn from one another's uh disciplines with the idea that they all have some core of wisdom in them the better we become as practitioners well, I think that would be a perfect note on which to end our conversation. What do you think? That sounds good, Robert. <laughs> so uh, th- this is Robert Rick over at Body Learning, and my guest has been Ingrid Bocci, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Cortland Manor, New York, which is just north of New York City. She's the author of several two books, both of them uh translated into many languages, featured in Oprah Magazine and the Book of the Month Club. We'll put a link uh, to you, to Ingrid's website next to this interview so you can learn more about her, her work. Ingrid, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Robert, for a great conversation. <laughs> 